All right, folks, a quick message before we get started from our sponsors, React Health. React Health, formerly 3B Medical, a leading provider of sleep, sleep diagnostic, and respiratory products. Now back to the show. All right, folks, it's another show, so you know what time it is. Time for some pre-cals. What do we got today? Hey, we've got Adrian Zacher with us today. Adrian! 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 <laughs> uh, trust me, he's not going to sound like he's from the south side of Philly. Uh, because, uh, not okay. a little bit. <laughs> He might be from the south side of London, though, uh, once we uh, we hear his his accent. But I Ooh. met Adrian uh, online. He has a pretty significant LinkedIn presence and um, and is always advocating for um, patients to be screened for sleep apnea in, in pharmacy. So I thought that it was something interesting that would you know be a little different for us here on the podcast. And and uh, I think we're going to have a great time with Adrian today. Yeah, that, that definitely sounds interesting. Um, that's you know, screening at the pharmacy is just a simple, a very simple thing to do. And um, I do know that overseas, yeah, I went to med school overseas. So I do know that overseas, there's the community pharmacies take a huge role uh, or they play a huge role in the, uh, in the patient's health care and well-being. Uh, patients typically, or people typically go to the pharmacy first when they have questions about, hey, I got a cold, what do I need to do? They don't go and see the doctor right away. So I, I could see that. And um, why, you know, why don't we do that here? So it'd be interesting to hear what, what he has to say. No, you're right. It's, it's interesting how medicine and sleep is done differently all over the world. I mean, in Canada, the, the DMEs do the home sleep apnea testing. So you begin to talk about something like this where pharmacies, you know, doing screening and education, it's, it, it's definitely different, but that's how medicine is. It's, it, you know, it's a, we're a melting pot when it comes to healthcare as a world and everyone, their cultures are different, how they approach sleep is different. And it'll be interesting to hear how, how they figured out how to do something, you know, that's special to, to pharmacy there in, in Britain. You know, what's interesting to me about the, the pharmacy approach is that it, it, a pharmacy is something that's common to almost everyone, you know, right. and, 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 you know, it's almost ageless there, you know, from infants to, you know, um, the most elderly of the, the patient, the population here in the U.S. And, you know, so to me, it is the one place um, that we have an opportunity to look at, at a patient's existing medical conditions based on the types of medications they're on and, um, and then attribute that to potentially undiagnosed sleep apnea for that patient and, and do it on a pretty large scale. So um, I have my ideas and thoughts about how to deploy a program, but I'm interested to hear how uh, Adrian's is working in the in the UK. Great point. And uh, with that being said, let's hear what Adrian has to say then. Let's you guys do. ready? Yeah. All right. On to the show. Welcome, everyone, once again to another fantastic episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast, bringing a new wavelength to sleep technology. How did you guys like that one? 
right. Well, with that being said, folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this episode as well as all other episodes with your friends, all sleep techs out there, as well as anybody that's interested in sleep. Now, before we get started, we have a very special guest on today. And Robert, I think you're going to tell us about our guest. I am. Thank you. Uh, hey, I'm excited. This is our first intercontinental podcast recording today. So we're, uh, we had to adjust time zones in order to make sure that we could uh, pull this off today. But we're, we're excited to have with us today Adrian Zacker, who is the CEO of the British Society of Pharmacy Sleep Services, uh, which is a registered charitable incorporated organization. Um, a registered CIO dedicated to bringing sleep expertise to the cold face that is community pharmacy. Uh, Adrian is, is also newly, um, I, I actually just saw the LinkedIn post, I think today, a task force member of an independent advisory group to the all-party par parliamentary group for sleep. Thanks That's for a uh, well tongue done. twister. Yeah, thanks for the tongue <laughs> twister, Adrian. Um, and then Adrian also runs snore.com where he returns peace to, the, to your bedroom without you being exploited by the countless charlatans merely interested in selling their pseudoscientific snore cures. Uh, he teaches healthcare professionals how to help their patients stop snoring, sleep, and breathe at the same time. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Um, thank you for, for getting your tongue around all those long phrases and it, it all gets reduced to acronyms doesn't it that blind you otherwise well if i said it with an accent it would probably sound a lot better <laughs> something other than a southern accent <laughs> <laughs> no i think we should steer clear of that one i'm, I'm not following that oh well welcome to the show and uh, adrian tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and and how you got into the world of sleep medicine and uh, then we really want to spend some time talking about this pharmacy sleep apnea program and how you um, have been able to make a difference in, in your part of the world as it relates to identifying patients and getting patients treated um, who are uh, potential sleep apnea sufferers. Okay, well, thank you. That was dangerous giving me the mic. Uh, you know, you won't get it back now. Um, so I come from a dental sleep medicine background. I made my first oral appliance for a diagnosed patient uh, with sleep apnea who happened to be a submariner years and years ago. Um, and he was um, being paid to stay awake so that other people could sleep in the sub. Um, that was back in 94. Long story short, was involved in all sorts of custom adjustable devices for snoring and sleep apnea. For diagnosed patients, um, right at the very beginning when oral appliance therapy was, was a, in his infancy. Um, so yeah, that, that did that for a long while. And then I think, well, kind of exhausted my interest in the dental side of it. Um, but then I took a, I was always frustrated by when I walked around community pharmacy to see the products that were on sale. And I think, I, I think I, like most people, I just sort of got frustrated about it. And then, then I kind of took a reflective think, I think, well, these guys, pharmacists, they're not stupid people but they just don't know any different. Uh, and um, talking with one community pharmacist, he said, well, we're just manufacturer led. And that made me think, well, actually, sorry, but your manufacturer misled. Um, oh dear, I've said it. So um, yeah, so then he, he's gone on a bit of a journey and unfortunately Gareth can't be with us today, Gareth Evans. Um, he's, he's at the coalface right now in community pharmacy, helping patients. Um, he 
he he actually you know I'm I'm quoting him or paraphrasing him now to his credit he now realizes that he just has not been helping patients um and he does now so that I think I'll, I'll stop there so can I shall I carry on or you know maybe I should pass the mic silence well well Adrian it's great to have you on the on our show as you began to evolve in, in your role, moving from oral appliance therapy to more of the pharmaceutical side, you know, where was sort of your tipping point? You know, it's always interesting to find what was that transition, that that thing that sort of led you to to this new journey um, to, to where you are today. Can you can you is your end yeah. on that for us? They, they, OK, so it was um, out November 2019, uh, just before the pandemic. So I hit the UK and I was using LinkedIn and I started sending messages to pharmacists to say, would you be interested in expanding your clinical role with regard to sleep disorders? And it was overwhelmingly positive, the response. I'm used to trying to reach out to dentists and, you know, the hit rate was pretty low. Um, but talking to community pharmacists, they seemed... They, I think, in, in, again, in business speak, they felt the pain. They had patients coming there and they didn't know how to help them. Um, and, you know, they, they had a problem. Whereas the dentists that I've spoken with, I'm not going to make friends here, am I? Um, but they've got, they've got the, the, the tools, but they just, you know, I didn't, didn't feel that they, they didn't have patients queuing up saying, help me with my, my sleep problem. And, uh, yeah, so the pharmacists so were really, really interested in what I had to say. And then, of course, everything stopped for the pandemic. Um, and then, um, yeah, we kicked off again as a group in 2021. Um, and again, yeah, it, 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 the, the interest has been astonishing. I and mean, we're only just a, a year old now as, the, as, a, as a charity. Uh, and it's going really well. And I'm, I'm very positive and optimistic and that kind of brings me to here and, and having your having your ears. Thank you very much. Uh, certainly ha happy to have you. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I've worked for Philips for several years and, and it was interesting how sleep medicine is treated around the world. You know, in some parts of the world, Asia, sleep, sleep disorder breathing seem very different than it is in, you know, Europe and, and the Americas. When you look at, at um, Europe, though, one of the things that, that I noticed was a really strong uh, emphasis on trying to look for CPAP alternatives <clears throat> that more than we see in the United States. So is that the same in, in Britain with, with what you see? Is there a strong emphasis on, on non-CPAP or, or at least alternatives to CPAPs relative to what we see in the States? Well, I think it depends on which medical or dental professional you talk to so i think the medical professionals i mean it's it's silos come on let's let's be honest it's silos if you're talking to medical professionals it's cpap or cpap uh, and the cpap is funded um and cpap is easy it comes out the box you just dial up the pressure until you get a result um oral appliance therapy well the dentists are going to bang the drum but dentists and pharmacists are like opposing football teams it's kind of just you're really struggling there. Um, there's no, you know, it's, all, it's always ruled out the joint clinic on, on, on expense grounds. We're not, we can't have everybody in the same room. It's too expensive. It might be sensible. We might resolve it more rapidly, but it's too expensive. 
Uh, then ENT, well, I think it's, you know, and or maxillofacial surgery. That's that's really where I became interested in the in the max fact side of things. Um I don't know. It, it's it's the last last resort, isn't it? You know, the tracheotomy or the bimax osteotomy. It, it's it's the last resort. But it's always an ENT seems to when it fails. Okay, let's try an oral appliance. Well, hang on a minute. Let's just try an oral appliance first. Then maybe we don't need to do the general anaesthetic and we and the eight hours in surgery and you know it's just yeah. It, it, there's no joined up thing, but. Mm, I don't know. I come back to answering your question. I think that there are routes to care and I've advoc advocated a dental route to care for a long time. Um, empowering the dentist to screen and recognize um, those patients that are not going to merit treatment with CPAP because they're just, they're not severe enough that frankly, and they, they won't derive a benefit from CPAP. So they won't persist with CPAP. Um, those patients really need an oral appliance, um, a custom adjustable device. And that's, that's, to me, it's logical to use the dentist to filter referrals into secondary care. Uh, and then they're, you know, the patient's in the right place if they are not appropriate for CPAP, you know. So use the dentist. That, to me, I'm, I'm kind of perhaps I'm naive, but it just seems that we have a network of dentists that exist far more of them. Then we have sleep units and that that expertise, and it's a it's a triangle. Um, and then carrying it that step further, that's where we bring in community pharmacy. We have lots and lots of pharmacies. So anyway, maybe I'm silly, but that's just I maybe mean, I just I just want to get out of these silos and look at it from a bigger picture. So Adrian, you you struck upon a point just now about the community pharmacies. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, on the role? Because the role of the pharmacy is a little different here in the United States. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Hey, Jerry, before you answer, Adrian, can I, can I add to that? And I'm interested as to what your approach is. You know, is it, is a, is it sort of a population health approach where you, you look at certain types of medications that might, um, you know, be a condition that typically would be a, uh, high prevalence of obstructive sleep apnea, or is it just as simple as, you know what, we implement a stop bang for patients who walk into the doors of the pharmacy? Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, right. Well, we, so we're trying to kick off uh, a pilot project, which we've called the early intervention community sleep support, um, you know, a pilot. So EICSS, another acronym, but the idea is that we take the patient, um, on a, an evidence-based journey. So we're not just going to throw a stop bang or an ESS at them. We're going to, um, we're going to use um, a clinical decision support system. First of all, we, we, so we're going to do both insomnia and OSA because those are the two big ones that we've, we found that the prevalence insomnia is probably eclipsing it just slightly OSA. Um, but there's not really, we, we, we're quite pragmatic here. We look at it as this little point in worrying about your head if you can't breathe. So let's try and deal with the patient's ability to breathe, yeah, before we try and get their head straight with their insomnia. I mean, brutal, you know, as I say, I'm not a doctor. Um, so 
Yeah, so we're going to take the patients through a clinical decision support system that is based upon a pre-treatment screening protocol that an eminent professor, John Stradling, and Dr. Roy Dukan put together as part of the British Society of Dental Sleep Medicine. And as I say, that empowers the dentist or effectively any healthcare professional to screen or assess, screen, and recognize symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea, relevant comorbidities, and then you know, pretty much using that as a filter to, to actually identify those patients that do absolutely need a home sleep apnea test and those that don't. Does that, does that answer you, Robert? Then we go into further questionnaires, depending upon whether it's insomnia symptoms that are prevalent. We might do a home sleep apnea test if, you know, to firm things up. Um, I don't want to give away all the, all the, all the secrets of our, our pathway. <laughs> So I see it as, um, you know, for uh, those pharmacies that would do proactive outreach, I also see campaigns, marketing campaigns that could be done to certain patient populations that would tie diabetes to obstructive sleep. Oh, absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I do. Right. So, I mean, so we're definitely looking at the the relationship with type two diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular, you know, the, the, I think it's the big, the big life or me- metabolic syndrome you know that's what we're looking at they're definitely looking at those i mean and within the uk there are pharmacists that specialize in weight management and so it's a trend easily transferable and and the the weight management pharmacists i've spoken to when they become aware of how they can actually help a patient and it's an easier conversation they can they can talk to someone about oh do you snore you know or the partner says oh yeah they snore well I can help you with your snoring which is what they might present with by losing weight you know so there's it's an easier conversation for them so rather than you're a bit large I can help you <laughs> you know that's a, not a nice conversation is it um, well I, I know that um, you know when you look at a, a patient who has drug resistant hypertension. Um, you know, at some point, someone has to ask that patient, do you snore? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's an easier conversation and perhaps a little more palatable. And, and we all we laugh about it to cover our embarrassment. But it's but it's definitely an easier conversation than weight management. Initiating that conversation. That's um, so they, they, they have the expertise. They're set up for it. I mean, I've talked to pharmacists with that expertise and they've helped people with dramatic weight loss. They have pre and post weight loss home sleep apnea test results that objectively validate how they've eliminated OSA. You know, so it's it's a powerful tool. Obviously, it's a case of whether they can sustain that weight loss. But uh, we've got to take it as a bigger, wider, holistic issue. We can't we've got to get out of these silos of sleep apnea. Oh no, I'm in the diabetes field. Oh no, I'm in the you know the hypertension field or heart failure. But metabolic disease hits us in multiple different directions, so we need to respond in that way. You know, Adrian, your model is extremely fascinating, and unique. Do you have, if you could point back to a particular case um, or experience that you had, is there, is there is there one of those that's always motivating to you that was gratifying and very rewarding to? Oh, to identify one in particular where your model made such a difference in someone's life. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one in from dental first of all. And that was a, 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 a fabulous case. 
a quadriplegic lady um, and we used an oral appliance. So I was quite negative about dentists, first of all, and oral appliances, but I'm, I'm going to try and rectify that now. Pull it back. So quadriplegic lady, um, AHI 60s, um, and we made a, I'm not going to put the name of the, the brand of the device because that would be terrible, but um, no, no, no. So a, a custom adjustable prescription device. Um, and you've got to bear in mind, this lady could not put the device in her mouth. She, you know, and, and when she had the oral appliance in her mouth, or sorry, when she had CPAP on, she could move her head around and she would displace the mask, but she didn't have hands in the middle of the night to readjust it, you know? So she, it's, it's, you've got to really picture it. And of course, when she had the CPAP on, she was deprived of the ability to communicate because she had like a, like a pointer or a pencil in her mouth. So she had the choice of communicating or wearing an ill-fitting CPAP mask. You know, it was really tough. So she, so we made an oral appliance and it took her, it was, it was deemed it wasn't a success. Technically it wasn't a success because her AHI went from 60 to six. Come on, six. That's, well, that's not a success. Well, what is, you know? <laughs> and she thought it was fabulous. Um, she could still communicate. She could still hold uh, the device between her lips and still communicate whilst wearing the device. And she felt transformed, you know, um, so much better in, in every day. Anyway, so that was that. So on um, in the community pharmacy field, I, I'm deprived at this point really of that patient feedback in large part. So it's sort of second hand. And I wish Gareth was here because I've I've had him on the phone pumped absolutely enthused and he's helped he's helped people and, and they've been fast-tracked on the back of the quality work that he's done um they've gone into um and again i won't put a name on it a, a hospital a sleep unit in the uk and instead of you know the year-long wait they've been in in three months because of he's identified a real need and um it's still three months but it's a whole lot less so. Adrian, one question, the, the pharmacies that you educate about screening for sleep apnea and, and who develop a program, do they actually conduct the, the sleep testing or is a referral to a diagnostic provider? I, I, I don't know the healthcare system uh, well enough in your area. It's to, a private to... service. So it's a, this is, so community pharmacy in the UK, they're both NHS, it's a blended revenue. That's how, I think that's the phrase. So they are NHS funded, but they're being like everywhere, they're being squeezed financially and, uh, should we say, incentivized to develop private services. Now, this is sleep apnea screening is a private service. This is something that they will charge the patient out of pocket, um, a minimal fee, and they'll take, as I say, they'll take the patient through a, a CDSS, Clinical Decision Support System. And on the back of that, uh, if, if it's appropriate, they can do a home sleep apnea test. Now, the interpretation of the data is absolutely down to a sleep tech. That's why we're here. Um, but it's um, it's it's the opportunity to to get the patient right there. That's the cold face. This it's not somewhere further down the line. How many patients have fallen off the the pathway? If we can get them on that first interaction, and it make it an informed conversation. Um, yeah, that's it. So it's a private answer. It's you know, it's a private option. That's my answer. 
Everybody's waiting for Jerry to cut us off. I'm, I, I just assumed. <laughs> no, you, you're, you're right. We are getting close for time. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Uh, so Adrian, we, we definitely are uh, up for time. Is there anything that you want to add that we haven't really touched on today? I mean, obviously everything is really fascinating and I, I love the oh. community approach. I was just thinking back to my days in med school about preventative and social medicine. And that's what it sounds like you're, you're attempting to do. But is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you'd love to talk about? I'm, I'm going to put a guy's name into Mikel Espiazu was uh, in in northern Spain. I just called up called up with him a couple of months ago. He's a physician, a sleep physician, um, and he said to me that there are more pharmacies pharmacies in his region of, of um, northern Spain than than anywhere else in Europe. I think perhaps I think I don't know if it said he said the world, but but if you think about it, healthcare professionals on the high street that you can actually go and have a conversation with, at least here. I mean, you might have to wait five minutes, but it's a drop in. And these guys are smart. The opportunity to fundamentally change healthcare and sleep disorders, assessment, screening, recognition, the whole thing exists and pharmacies are everywhere. We need, so there it is. I hope to, everyone jumps on board with it. Got to try. Well, thank you, Adrian. Uh, it definitely is very inspiring. And um, yes, we all do hope uh, that everybody jumps on board with it. That's something that we strive to do here in the United States as well. And we do have a small international audience, and I'm, I'm sure they would all agree to be um, in, in the same manner. Well, but we are out of time. Hey, Jerry, uh, by the way, Adrian, before we, before we run out completely out of time, uh, he, he has developed his own hashtag that I think is pretty cool. Adrian, can you uh, tell the audience oh, what yeah. that is? Okay, so it's snore, yawn, warn. So snoring, yawning, well, it's a warning. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, snoring is not always benign. I think that's probably the message. When... I love it. Uh, snore, hashtag. yawn, warn, all in one. Snore, yawn, warn. All there right. There you go. So, all right. That itself it, is a tongue it's... twister, too. <laughs> Along with the oh. uh, all the other uh, uh, acronyms. And, exactly. So, snore, yawn, snore, yawn, warn. There they you try go. To say that six times quickly. So, uh, more whiskey. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is uh, like we say here in the states. Uh, it is five o'clock somewhere. So we're looking forward to that. Maybe Adrian someday we're going to be able to share a dram uh, together. I looked forward to that very much and i just want to say thank you very much uh for hearing me and uh yeah i'm banging the drum for community pharmacy so thank you very much thank you adrian and thank you all of you out there our listeners or viewers thank you so much for joining us once again and we thank you for all the likes that you've given us all the love you've shown us shown us and looks like robert just jumped off but hey maybe with your likes and your love, you're going to be able to bring him back. But don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. Most importantly, do not forget to share. We're growing, and that's only because of you. So thank you so much, everybody. Until next time, cheers. Lights on. <laughs> All right, folks, a quick message from our sponsors, React Health. React Health formerly 3B Medical, a leading provider of sleep, sleep diagnostic, and respiratory products. Now back to the show.
All right. Robert made it back. So that means Woo! it's time for some post counts. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. We were hey, listen, I, we were I have to rely on uh, Elon, Elon Musk to, to send me internet over here in the, in the, the outermost part of North Carolina. So uh, some days it's better than others. Appalachian internet, baby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when, uh, I think it was during the, what was that, during the lockdown in 2020, and things would be running really slow because the kids were playing their games or whatever, and I'd, I'd start screaming at them, you used up all the internet, and they're like, you can, that that's not even a thing. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Oh, it's a thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, leave it to me to figure out new things, so. Right. But, uh, you know, let's get back to, let's get back to it. What did you think? What did you guys think about today's show? Our guest today. You know, Adrian, it's interesting. No, it, you know, it's, it, we talked about this in our pre-cals, how healthcare is so different around the world. And it's so unique to hear how pharmacy is doing something different in, in the UK. You know, it sounds a lot like sleep navigation here. You know, what we're seeing with the CCSH with the sleep educator and that role. And so it's really interesting that we would hear pharmacy stepping into a place where we see sleep technology doing that here. You know, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I never looked at it that way when he was talking, but then again, I'm not as smart as you guys. So um, uh, I'm just here for the, uh, for the looks, looks made for a podcast. But anyway, the, uh, I do agree. There is a huge correlation there between what he's talking about screening at the pharmacy level versus a sleep navigator program, which we talk about over and over and over again. Um, I, I think the key here is the grassroots level of, of getting to the patient. These patients are underserved when it comes to sleep disorders. And we talked about the correlation between diabetes, hypertension, and he, he spoke about cardiovascular in general, but we talk about uh, sleep professionals the um, you know, the correlation between diabetes, hypertension, stroke, and and a multitude of other things, and that's simply by that initial screening we can tackle all of these problems uh, through a diagnosis of sleep disorder. At least that's what I see. Absolutely. Robert, you're you're pondering something. Well, just you know, I, I this this is something I've actually had as a as a concept of a potential opportunity, uh, patient acquisition opportunity here in the U.S., thinking about how our healthcare system works and, and thinking about the commercial payer side versus the private uh, cash pay type of patient um, and, and utilizing, you know, he talked about the community pharmacy, but, but I think that where there is a potential opportunity here in the U.S. is the independent pharmacy. Um, you know, there are some of the nationals, the Walgreens and the CVS is, I know CVS has had some uh, fairly significant um, um, approach to screening patients for OSA as part of their health hub. But, but I think the independent pharmacy and some of the independent pharmacy networks that are out there um, is a place that is a, you know, it's really fertile soil for us in the sleep medicine industry to go out and to, you know, approach these independent pharmacies that are looking for something that is a differentiator for them and, and, and potentially even a new business and new service that they can provide to their patient. You know, think about the, the patient who is that um, that, that drug-resistant hypertensive patient who has tried multiple types of medications to overcome their, uh, their hypertension, but they're going home every single night with undiagnosed sleep apnea. And, you know, it, it, it may, it's certainly not going to cure their hypertension, but it, but it absolutely would make them a, a more healthier, 
patient from a cardiovascular standpoint. So there, there is a there there. Um, I'm just wondering how do we get here in the U.S., who is the person, what's the entity that gets um, pharmacies engaged and involved in, in looking at uh, patients for untreated sleep apnea? You know, it's interesting. You know, I, I, can, I can hear some people saying, well, that's my job as a sleep tech. That's what we do. But, you know, as long as the three of us have been doing this in, in sleep, one statistic has been very constant, that 90% are undiagnosed and untreated. Right. And that number doesn't seem to be changing, which is really phenomenal because you would think we've at least break into the 80s at some point. Right. And we but we're not. So, you know, to your point, there's an access problem, you know, you know, and, and the interesting thing that I think you've just pointed out is that those pharmacists do see that they have refractory hypertension. They do see these comorbid things lining up with the patient coming in to get all these meds filled up. Could there be a flag in the system? that becomes an identifier that says, you know, this person needs to have this questionnaire, whether it's a stop bang, a Berlin, an Epworth, but something that really, you know, stops the hamster wheel and makes that person have that check, get the, the at least that evaluation they can carry back to their physician and have that next level conversation about, you know, where they could take their, their healthcare. Yeah. I, I know that in some pharmacies, they have programs where they will um, sort of go through their patient population and, and ensure that there are not conflicting medications that a patient might have been prescribed by different physicians. So, you know, why not do that same, uh, you know, type of initiative, but ensure that there's not conflicting medical conditions that might be exacerbating a, you know, problem that they are, um, the patients receiving prescribed medications for. Well said, because uh, Adrian spoke, to, spoke about this quite a bit, which was being siloed this is siloed, that's siloed. And we know healthcare here in the United States is extremely siloed. I may be treated for a heart condition, but they never look at the fact that I have obstructive sleep, uh, sleep apnea that's causing that, whether it's AFib or hypertension or whatever. Nobody seems to look at that. And yeah, I mean, just being able to put these pieces together at the level of the pharmacy, that would be a great idea. Hey, we must have go. lots of hamster wheels spinning between the three of us today because this might be the most serious conversation we've had on the show in a yeah, while. So we we're have to going, stop it while we're ahead. Yeah, yeah, there's something here. Might drop. Right exactly. Um, you know, for those of you um, listening out there, I just want to let you know Adrian was very impressed with uh, with our backgrounds today and our and our outfits. And I told him. Yeah. Uh, we all were saying that this is probably the most professional that we we can ever get. But hey, today's uh, topic was also a little more professional than usual. So <laughs> we rose to the moment. We we yeah. rose to the moment. Exactly. Uh, all right, then. With that being said, folks, thank you all for hanging out with us till the end, and uh, stay tuned until the next episode. Until then, cheers. See you all next time.